feeling like someone was watching me. always been a divisive genre within the film world. Some people can't get enough of it, while others view it as corny and easy entertainment. But in recent years, the genre has seen an uptick in popularity and production value, thus creating the genre of elevated horror. But many critics take offense to that term, and say there's no such thing as elevated horror. All horror is simply horror. This week, we sat down with Kyle Haggard, the host of the Nightmare Society Radio, a show that narrates the true, scary stories and crimes that happen in our life. We discuss elevated horror, whether the death penalty is right or not, and he even narrates to us a special scary story. My name's Xavier Diaz, and you're now listening to A Pretty Normal Podcast. You're listening to A Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that highlights the fascinating stories and thought-provoking moments that make up our lives. My name's Xavier Diaz, and I want to hear your story. Kyle Haggard, you are the host of the Nightmare Society Radio, a show that talks about the true scary stories and true crime specials that happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. So I came across your podcast recently. can't remember how, but I got to it somehow and I started listening. And the first thing that I noticed, I was like, this guy has a great voice and he does <laughs> superb audio engineering for the sound design on these um, horror podcasts. You really make... A person feel like those chills just by the way that you're talking so i wanted uh, to start thank off you with so much no nah, no problem man like i really appreciate somebody who like takes the time to hone their craft and like really gets into like the work that they do and your voice is great for it and you can tell that you really spend a good amount of time like doing the audio engineering for that uh do you have a background in audio engineering um i don't um <laughs> my background is pretty uh varied um i've done a little bit of music um but you know that's all, all been like hobby stuff uh a lot of what i've learned has been just you know youtube tutorials or google searching and just you know whatever i think sounds good for the most part and what made you get into podcasting and specifically a horror podcast me and my best friend years ago, back when podcasting kind of started, we really wanted to do a podcast badly, um, but we were, you know, lazy college students. <laughs> we never actually did it. Um, <laughs> so ever since then, I've been interested in doing one. Um, and it was always like, I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do about do it about or what I felt like I had enough content or enough to talk about. Um, so that always kind of held me back. 
And then I've always been a huge, huge horror fan. And, you know, true crime, all that kind of stuff ever since I was probably too young to watch that stuff. You know, just one day I was like, well, what if I do it about this? Um, because I, I was watching some YouTube videos and some other stuff, um, you know, where people do these little mini documentaries and stuff like that. And I was like, this, this might be cool because um, there were some that I listened to that were more, uh, they were more leaning towards comedy uh, while talking about these uh, creepy encounters. And I'm a person who enjoys being scared. So uh, there wasn't as many podcasts out there that approached it from just telling the story in a way that you feel the way the person felt when they encountered that that experience um and that's what i wanted to do that's awesome so you you're a fan of a specific thing you saw that there was a missing kind of a gap where okay these aren't that scary the ones that people are putting out it's kind of more of the comedy side of it but you wanted something truly to get scared at and so you've always been a fan of horror yeah yeah, since I was young, I, my the first time I remember seeing a horror movie, it was Jaws, and okay, I think I was eight years old, and it came on TV or something. And I, my parents at the time we had blue carpet, and it scared me so bad I was afraid to let my feet touch the floor because the carpet was blue, water's blue, you uh -huh. know, there may be a shark yeah, yeah. in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, as a child, uh, so would you say that's one of the things that you were most afraid of when you were a kid? Yeah, and I think for me because my wife is very different she she does not enjoy horror or scary things or anything like that and for me things that scare me fascinate uh -huh. me so wow. when i saw jaws and it terrified me i immediately you know went to the library and started renting out books about sharks and you know mm -hmm. snakes is another thing that you know is kind of scary to me so i study a lot of the things that scare me just because that that kind of fascinates me and i think that's another reason why i started doing the podcast because you know things like having a stalker or serial killers or someone trying to break into your house when you're asleep that that's terrifying to me so it's it also fascinates me at the same time yeah, that stuff scares me the most because it's like stuff that could really, really happen. Like the monsters yeah. and the spirits, sometimes I don't get too scared about from them. But right. like stuff where you, they're just, they could happen to anyone. And it right. just, I like that a lot about your podcast that a lot of the, the episodes that you focus on are just things that happen to normal day people, but they're just so creepy. And the way you do it, you really do make the listener feel like they're there. How do you get the stories that you tell on your show? Through, either through contributions, email contributions, or a lot of times I'll go through Reddit and look on some of the threads on there. And one of the ways that I like to do it that I think some people who, who do some of the scary storytelling don't approach it this way. I always like to reach out to people to get their permission to tell their stories because some of these stories are actually very traumatic experiences that these people have had. Mm -hmm. So I always want to get their permission and let them know that I'm interested in, in sharing it and if they're okay with that or not. And I've probably 95% of people are like, yeah, that would be awesome. But then there's there has been a few people here and there that are like, you know, I'd rather not have that that shared and I, I totally respect that. Yeah, I imagine like if it's a story that really, really, you know, it hits home you might just you might post it online as a means mm -hmm. of okay you know i want to get this off my chest i want to just put it All out right. there but then to hear somebody go and record it and like have that story be out there circulating yeah i can imagine yeah. some people just they'd rather that's that would be like a it would hit a nerve and it would just bring right. back memories that they don't want 
Right. It's no longer cathartic. It's it's you know reliving something that was a really horrible you know moment for them. Um, yeah. And and as weird as it sounds, like putting it on Reddit and stuff is still anonymous. And even if I read it, it's still anonymous. But I feel like it, it probably feels less anonymous when someone else is reading it, and then there's a wider audience, maybe. Yeah, and it starts to like grow a life. Like it, millions of people could read it. But mm -hmm. like you said, it's never linked directly to them. And like, you right. don't have to, if you want to, you don't have to go back and read it. You could post it and then never look at it again. Whereas right. if there's a podcast out there where people are listening, it's just, it starts creating like more attention to that unwanted memory than you had originally hoped for. Right, exactly. So do you personally live somewhere that's known for being like a scary place? I don't know where exactly you're located. No, I'm in uh, I'm in the Lansing, Michigan area right now. And one of the things this area is kind of known for, it's it's not so much for the the crime or true people stuff, but uh, dog man, um, which is not something that I've covered in any of my podcasts yet. Um, Could you uh, tell us what dog man is? I don't even what is that? It's I guess just envision what people think of as a werewolf. It's a. It's something with a human-looking body for the most part. It's a very muscular body, but it resembles a more of a dog um, in the head. And there's a there's a couple of podcasts that I listen to actually that are just really good that have people call in with their experiences with dogmen, and they're it's terrifying because some of these you listen and it and it's grown men in their 40s 50s whatever who have children and, and work a job and stuff who are yeah. calling in recounting their experience when they were out in the woods hunting you know or you know these farmers and stuff like that that you know it's like you can hear the authenticity in their voice when they're on the verge of like tears and stuff and it's mm -hmm. truly it's it's terrifying and I, I had a conversation with somebody years ago and i'm like i just I'm always open-minded to anything. You know, I'm never gonna yeah. gonna close my mind to anything. I'm not gonna say that I just believe in everything, but uh, you know, the, you, you never know the what the possibilities are. So. Yeah, you don't start in a position of disbelief like right. by default. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so around here, uh, Michigan Dogman is is uh, really really big. Um, but other than that, uh, not there, there's a book on some of the haunted places, but I haven't really dove into it um I, I think i got more interested in this stuff because some of my roommates have actually had some pretty scary encounters growing up and um we had some even in the house that we had rented at the time mm -hmm. um and this is back when i you know i didn't really believe in that kind of stuff but the more you start to experience it yourself you're like ah uh, well yeah <laughs> i what agree is with that then? like if you've never really experienced anything supernatural you're just gonna you're never gonna really take it that serious right. but once it does happen to you you're like all right now this is open doors to things that i hadn't even thought about before exactly and have you researched what are some of the more haunted places in the united states have you been to any of them i haven't been to any yet one place i have been to it's a place that not a lot of people have heard of it's they call it the stonehenge of america and like places like stonehenge and the great pyramids and stuff like that that really fascinate me because of the mystery behind it yeah and and there's one in georgia and it's placed on a random hill out in the middle of a bunch of farms in the middle of nowhere and um you know it, it's it sits where ley lines cross over so that's meant to people think that there might be some kind of geomagnetic force that attracts you know spirits and stuff like that there but the weird thing to me is that 
the writing on the stones you know the stones are similar to stonehenge in a way that they're they're laid out to match uh things in the stars they're laid out to match that when there's um you know the moons comes full moons happen and the sunsets mm-hmm. summer solstice and all that kind of stuff but then there's writings on the tablets they're large stone tablets similar to um, stonehenge and there's a set of 10 rules, I think, that it says society should um, live by. And it's written in, I think, the six main languages, like English, Spanish. I can't remember all the rest, but it's um, yeah. all of the six main languages. And they're on each of the backs of the stones. And it's, you know, basically how to live life. Like one is like, don't be a, um, don't be a cancer to the earth. But then there's one that freaks people out that says don't let the population of earth grow above five billion or something like that wow so th- th- and nobody knows who put them there that's uh-huh. another reason why it's so like kind of like very curious because nobody knows who put them there why they put them there or anything like that wow so i went i visited there and it was very interesting <laughs> that sounds awesome i've never heard of that and it was in when you went there it was in the middle of nowhere yeah, it's uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's probably about forty five minutes outside of Atlanta. Uh, me and a, a good friend of mine went to Atlanta just for a weekend to hang out, and we were like, "Let's go here and check this out." And and we did. And as you drive out in the middle of nowhere, it's just nothing but country back roads and just hills of farms. And then randomly, you you pull up on this one country road and you see a small hill and you go up there and this, there's just these Stonehenge looking stones all stacked in a row like wow. tall tablets. Yeah, and when we got there, it was in the middle of the day. Um, but when we got there, there were people who were like, you know, ghost hunting groups and just different stuff like that. And then just, you know, normal people there as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where you get there and, you know, if, if you're a believer in all, at all in like the vibes or energy or anything like that, when you get it, when you get out of the car there, it's just a different feeling. Yeah, it could be all in your head or whatever, but it was interesting for us. It, it definitely felt different. That's crazy. I would love to go check that out one day. I went to somewhere near uh, Savannah, Georgia, and it oh, was yeah. like a it was like burned ruins of a church or something, and that was really cool. But mm-hmm. what you're talking about sounds awesome, and it's cool that it's not really like a museum exhibit or anything, right? You just right. go there. Right. Yeah. Totally free. It's just you get in your car and you drive up and park in the grass and get out. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to go there. I love the the Spanish moss in Georgia. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. That makes actually, everything look so classy. I had a a, a roommate who she went to uh, Georgia with her girlfriend for like a vacation, and they had a a really interesting experience at a um, an Airbnb where the guy that owns the place, he was cooking them breakfast one morning and was telling them about the, the ghosts they have in the house. And the as they Airbnb host? It, yeah, at the Airbnb host. He, he owned a couple of homes that he uh, rented out. Mm-hmm. And um, as they were standing there talking, one of the eyes of the stove turned on by itself as they were talking. Oh, no. Yeah, so they just had some really weird experiences there. Yeah. Um, and Savannah, Savannah's so cool. They have, um, you know, Savannah is like, there's just graveyards everywhere. You know? That was really cool. They said Savannah is one of like the most haunted cities in the U.S. Yeah. I really like Savannah. Back to the thing about certain people, they only believe when something really happens to them. Do you believe that some people are more predisposed, like they have certain qualities to them that make them more susceptible to like supernatural occurrences? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I, I had my 
one a good friend who he's experienced a lot of different things and almost in every single house he's he's been to and his family actually also has a really long history of being involved in like like i think his great grandmother was involved in it's similar to voodoo in a way but it's more of a it's catholicism kind of mixed with voodoo i can't remember the name of it Um, his grandma was involved in that yeah and year like years his grandma and his great grandmother and his dad and ever since then they've had some just really really strange things happen uh to them i know he used to live in new york actually in brooklyn their house was possessed or something and he was like i swear to you on my life all of our cabinet doors flew open at the same time all like all the stories he told me is like i'm dead serious this actually actually happened and i i believe him and i think maybe because because of some of the things that maybe some of his family has you know dabbled in might have uh, caused that or likely did but aside from that i think i think you have to have kind of a certain open mindset maybe um or certain openness to experience those things even subconsciously but in the same way that i think you know a lot of creative people are susceptible to like they feel things really they really deeply feel things compared to people who wouldn't deem themselves creative so i think everybody kind of has different ways of seeing life and interacting with life mm. and some people are more closed off and in their own uh world and then some people are a bit more open and also maybe a bit more observant yeah i think that's a really good way to look at it and i do believe that some people are because of their willingness to just be open to certain things in life they go maybe the things come to them or they're just noticing them more and there are people that you know they live so i gotta do this and then i gotta go to work and then i gotta do this so that they just don't pay attention to any of that stuff so it doesn't really bother them yeah it it reminds me of uh this tony robbins speech he did one time it's something like where he tells everybody in the room to they have 10 seconds to count all the things in the room that are red and then he counts to 10 and then after that he asks them to name one brown thing and it he's the whole point is it's it depends on what you're looking for it depends uh-huh. on what your perspective in life is if you're if you're looking for all the bad things or you're looking for a certain thing then you're always going to find that and you're going to miss these other things so kind of in a similar way of like if you're always closed off to it and never open to that then yeah you probably will never experience that bam dropping wisdom (laughs) that's great yeah and it reminds me of i was listening to episode 16 of your show today and it was the story they thought that they had seen bigfoot and the police chief had kind of just dismissed them like oh yeah we'll let you know if we see any more we get any more bigfoot stories and it ended up being um a homeless veteran sorry if i ruined that yeah. for anybody no, no, <laughs> <laughs> but um it just made me think like do we do we immediately jump to like the things that scare us the most or is it do we try and find justifications for certain things because like i would have never thought at the beginning like it was just a homeless guy but you know when people say bigfoot i think of like bears and other stuff and all these other right. things because I just wouldn't be afraid of, you know, a homeless veteran. But the way, you know, a homeless veteran that's going through PTSD and thinks that he's back in the war, like, that is very scary. Yeah, I'd rather come across a Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I get what you're saying. I, I think there is, um, I, I think that's maybe part of why some people who are less open maybe have a harder time being open because <laughs> there are some people who are, maybe way too open and and you can go you can go to the extreme of anything i i think some people are 
maybe way too open to things and maybe too closed off to a, a little bit of logic. Um, and, and I think that striking a balance between those two things is extremely important. Um, you know, being open and versus, you know, thinking everything automatically has to be a supernatural occurrence, um, I think are, are two different things. Uh, there's a there's a guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of Missing 411. No, is that a but, uh, show? It's it's a book series. Um, he does a lot of stuff on YouTube, but it's it's a guy who, I believe, he used to be a detective. He was or a police officer for um, in L.A. I um, mean, in California. Um, and he, after he retired, he began to notice a a trend in disappearances in national parks. And so he started going through and doing research on this kind of stuff and tried to get records from the, the national and state parks um, about their missing persons people. And, and it was strange because they basically refused to give him the information. He filed a Freedom of Information Act. And um, basically they said, if you want our lists, um, we don't have any. Uh, which is strange that they wouldn't keep any but um you know basically they were going to charge him like it was something around close to a million dollars for them to go in and compile lists of missing people and so he started to dive deeper and deeper into this and there's a lot of really strange things that that occur when people disappear in parks and there's a, a staggering number of people who disappear in parks and of course they do because it's you know you're in yosemite or whatever and it's a thousands of acres of just uh you know wide open space with animals that can kill you and drag you away and that kind of thing yeah but what he's been doing is taking note of the ones that are very strange occurrences like people disappearing and you find their you know their shoes and their clothes folded up and sat on a rock you know and but then you never find the body or a three-year-old that goes missing that they find his clothes folded up on a rock that there's no way possible that a human can get up there unless they have you know like rock climbing gear with the ropes and all that kind of stuff so it's like really strange experiences like that that he's like he's not saying hey we've got a bigfoot problem everybody <laughs> because oh, there's no, all yeah. these strange experiences <laughs> he's basically saying i don't know what it is but this is something worth researching because things don't make sense people don't disappear like this or when people disappear they don't leave their clothes folded up here or there's no way for a mountain lion to tear somebody out of their clothes and leave them folded on the on the rock you know that kind of thing so i, I kind of like align with him of like i'm open to what possibilities may be out there but i don't necessarily either want to jump to a certain conclusion but we we should be open to things because that's that's also that's not just wide-eyed thinking that's how science works you you know you test a hypothesis until you you figure out the answer and but then things can still change after that after you get new information yep we're always changing science like just with new technology we can research more we can right. do so much more so yeah it's something that it's like a river you gotta it, your mind has to keep flowing with like be open to what things are right now but in the future it might change absolutely that leads me to asking do you believe in psychic mediums like this is one thing that i i would think of like i don't know if i believe in all psychics like you know the ones that do the card readings and do the palm mm -hmm. readings and stuff i want to be open but this is one of those times where i'm like maybe i should use more logic like it doesn't make sense that this person could just tell me my future for ten dollars like right 
Um, I've been to a few, um, and it's one thing that up until recently, I, I think I really wanted to believe in because, um, yeah, there's maybe a little bit of comfort there that maybe you can get some help from somebody that can, you know, tell you something, uh, direction to go or whatnot. And I've, most of my experiences have been flops for the most part. Until recently, I, I randomly came across, uh, this woman I think because of a YouTube video maybe. And funny enough, after I went to her website and stuff, she only lives like an hour away. Uh, she doesn't even do in-person uh, readings or anything like that. Um, but I decided to give it a go. There's something about her and, and, and everything. I just was like, let's just give this a try. Cool. So I did. And her, her reading kind of was telling me for the year, like these are these are things that I see happening for you, like moving or um, you should start a podcast. That's another reason I actually kind of started the podcast. Um, she she advised me to get into radio or podcasting in any way, shape or form that I could um, because it would help lead to other things. But she was actually pretty spot on um, as far as giving me information that I think that I, I needed. Um, I don't think everything was necessarily 100%, but what I, I think about psychics is kind of like, I always tell people if they can't make a decision, you know, flip a coin mm -hmm. and you'll know, you'll know what you should do. Cause if I say, you know, heads is a and tails is B and it lands on B and I'm like, dang it. Then, you know, yeah. you really then want, you a, want it to so do a, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't mm -hmm. actually matter what the, what the, the court, the, the coin says. And it's similar with psychics, I think in the way that you you hear you hear these things and some things just don't resonate with me so even hearing them from somebody else i've got to know you know this isn't something worth debating myself about anymore mm -hmm. obviously this is not the right direction or obviously it is i've been thinking about a podcast for 10 years and you know somebody finally tells me you need to get into it then and i resonate with that then maybe it's not them doing anything you know to really affect me it's just me realizing what's already true within myself you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah they're just kind of showing you the way but you you wanted to go down that route regardless but you got right. now you got a little bit of an extra push right yeah it's all about you know to me figuring out what what feels true within yourself and that's that's almost a confirmation it always kind of comes back down to you um, you know, it's not about the coin or, and then maybe it's not even about the, the psychic reader or whatnot, but I have some, I've had, I've had some pretty, some pretty strange and very not great psychic readings. I don't think I'll be getting a ton of them in the future, uh, cause you know, they cost money, but this particular, uh, woman, uh, I think I would go back to maybe at some point. I've never actually been to one myself, but what sucks mm -hmm. is my friend went to a psychic reader and I ended up in his reading and what she said essentially happened. She was, she was like, uh, you got a friend who's thinking about like quitting his job right now. Right. And that was me. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, tell him, don't do that. He's going to go through like a long period of suffering or something. And when he told me that, I was like, oh, come on. Like, I don't go to these readings cause it's not going to happen. Like it's not going to happen if she just mentioned like a friend that's so generic. Right. And then I ended up not having the job and went like five months unemployed. And I was like, God damn it. Like, oh, man. <laughs> I didn't even go to the reader myself. Like, I just ended up there like in his. <laughs> so that sucked. But oh, it, it's so interesting. And I think it's the same thing as like horoscopes. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I read the horoscope at like the end of the day. 
and I'll yeah. be like, oh, you know, that lined up with today, that matched up, that didn't really happen. But I feel like if I read it at the beginning of the day, then I'm just kind of like, oh, like, I didn't want this to happen when I read right. this, so I'm going to try and do everything to avoid it. Yeah, like self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Exactly. I, I, I was never, I've never been into astrology or anything like that. And my wife was wanting to go get a, like a psychic reading one day, just randomly. And we have a couple of spiritual stores in the area. So, and they have readers there uh, frequently. So we went and none of the readers there were what she was looking for. And they had a, an astrology, a lady doing astrology there. And my wife was like, why don't you get an astrology reading? And I was like, I don't care about that <laughs> it uh-huh. doesn't interest me at all I, I don't you know um and she's like oh you know come on come on come on so finally i was like all right i did it and you know i didn't know what to ask i, I didn't know anything really about astrology and uh, i have a lot of friends who are into it but she uh it really kind of opened my eyes to astrology in that because my wife mentioned something she's like i'm nothing like my what my sign is and the lady was talking she's like anything that you read like you know in the daily newspaper or the quick you know online whatever for your sign she's like mm-hmm. that's that's basically a bunch of bull and it, it's it's for fun but when you go into like a, a, an astrology reading it's it's really it's almost like a doctor's appointment in a way they really go in depth into all that because there's so much more than your sun sign or your moon sign it's it goes over every single planet and where they are and, and it, she started really nailing things about me she just started telling me about myself because i didn't really have any questions i i didn't know what to ask and she just started nailing things about me like you're this way and you're that way and this is how money enters your life and this is what you're what you struggle with and yada 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 and i was like wow and she did my wife and me and my wife are two very different people. And uh, like my wife's very type A, um, you know, very a typical stable person. You would think she's got a good corporate job and mm-hmm. loves Excel spreadsheets and is very linear thinking. And, and I'm the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just interesting in the way that she was able to look at our charts and kind of like nail us in, in our own like in our ways. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's something that if you have any kind of relative interest in uh, astrology, it's it's at least one good visit, worth at least one good visit because it's it's just really interesting. After that, I actually started really researching astrology and um, you know taking my friends' birth dates and trying to go back through you know all their stuff because it mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of information. It's 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 so it it takes them several years to kind of get to a point where they can understand other people's charts that's so interesting yeah and i imagine that the ones that you find quickly online or that you read in the newspapers and stuff like that's probably not made by somebody who really 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 studies this stuff but i know like i got a couple friends that like are really into it they always try to Mm -hmm. tell me about it but i assume like okay i'm an aries but i'm not like you know my best friend who's an aries like we're completely two different people and like how does this work that we're the same sign like we're supposed to have these you know qualities but we clearly don't yeah and that that's the exact problem that i had with it that i have a a good friend that we're both capricorns and i'm like there's some ways that we're uh, alike and there's a lot of ways where we're just really not and i'm also i'm a capricorn so 
there's some ways that I relate to it. They're supposed to be, you know, very family ori- oriented and loyal and stuff like that. But everybody likes to think that they're family oriented and loyal. You know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> everybody wants those qualities. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, most, you don't, you rarely come across somebody who says, oh, I'm not family oriented or, oh, no, I'm not loyal. That doesn't Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's it also talks a lot about being very business oriented and, and it really matches more to my wife's personality than it does to mine and the the crazy thing was when i did the astrology reading or whatever she went through my my chart and she was like you you have your son in capricorn and it's in your basically in my my house of my family i believe which meant I was very, you know, even that much more connected to family and friends and stuff like that. But she said that I had way more, um, I think it was Aries actually, um, in my chart. I had more fire in my chart than uh-huh. than my wife did, and she's a fire sign. And she had way more Capricorn in her chart than I did. So it's like, she's like, it, it, yeah, she's like, it, it gets swapped. She's like, your son is that, but because so many other planets have the the fire signs you or i think it was sagittarius maybe in aries that you're you're you as a person is much more like a fire sign and she as a person is much more like a, a capricorn stable grounded you know linear kind of person and i was like oh okay it's so it's not just your sun or it's not just your moon it's like you know it's like looking at a car you're like okay it's an engine and it has a steering wheel and it runs sure yeah but then there's like so many tiny little intricate things that go into making those things turn and work that you know it's it's the same thing kind of in astrology there's just a lot to it hmm. super interesting stuff do you believe in extraterrestrial life i believe in the possibility okay um, so sure, open sure. as always yeah um definitely open um there's again it's it's the stories that i hear from people that make me believe that that there's uh the possibility as well as just just thinking of the 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 sheer amount of just other solar systems and stars and planets that exist that you know our brains can't even fathom Mm -hmm. the the distance and the number of them that i i think it would be you know a little short-sighted to just say no yeah. there's such thing and there's no foolish to believe that yeah that we're the only ones that can survive like right right absolutely i don't i've seen them in memes but i know that they're also um petitions and stuff to storm area 51 uh-huh you've seen those lately yeah there's been a whole bunch of people that uh claim that they used to work for like the cia and stuff yeah and do you think the government is hiding something like that from us uh, I would lean towards yes. Um, I I probably should put... Th- this is a subject that I've thought about putting together an episode for because I've thought of doing some specials here and there that weren't just me narrating stories, but me also, uh, you know, going into some of these subjects because there's a mm-hmm. lot of information... There's a lot of misinformation out there uh, for sure, but there is a lot of... The thing is misinformation will cloud the actual information and that's the unfortunate part. Um so there's a lot of good information out there that that leads me to believe that 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 you know there was some weird possible alien stuff going on there that you know nobody <laughs> nobody's allowed to tell because you know that the government is CIA FBI all that kind of stuff they they can't just go out and say hey yeah this is the top secret you know Russian or whatever th- operation that I worked on back in 1996. Uh-huh. Um, 
So I, I do believe that, that there's probably something going on there. Well, a more interesting question. Do you think that it's in the best benefit of the general population for the government to keep that stuff secret? Is that something that they should keep secret from us? Because if like they did just come out and say it, like people would lose their minds. Yeah, <laughs> I think probably they would probably I think people deserve to know in a way, but I, I do think that uh, a lot of people would freak out. Um, so maybe releasing that information very slowly would be the best bet of saying instead of I think it makes people more curious when you just say, no, 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 don't go over there. There's nothing over there. Ignore uh -huh. it. You know what I mean? Stop nosing around. I think it might be better for them to say, you know what, this we don't have aliens in Area 51, but because there were some scares back in the 50s and 60s and whatnot, yes, we developed a program and there are possibilities out there and that's what we're researching there, you know, and maybe start to slowly, slowly release that information rather mm -hmm. than just saying, hey, by the way, yeah, we got alien aircraft and um, we're all gonna die probably in the next 20 years because we're- <laughs> And do you think- Hey, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to listen to Kyle narrate a special scary story so you can see just how much he puts into his craft and how well his voice works for this. If you're a fan of horror, you're definitely not going to want to miss this, so don't pause for too long because this guy has a great voice for telling scary stories. My name is Xavier Diaz, and this is A Pretty Normal Podcast. A special thank you to Riley0123 for contributing this encounter. July 2017. Four teens went missing in New Hope, Pennsylvania. I work the overnight shift at a Wawa convenience store. And from 10pm to 6am we get all types of people. Normal, obnoxious, drunks and the occasional construction worker in for their morning coffee. So when yet another customer came in covered in dirt, I figured he was just a hard-working man and a blue-collar job. He had been in before, so we made small talk and he went on his way. That was Friday. I didn't see him on Saturday, but then Sunday he was in again. He got food and a drink, and after the normal, Hi, how are you? He went on his way again. Monday comes around and I'm working like normal when a few cops come in for coffee. And you can tell something's wrong. We've got a lead on those missing teenagers. They said solemnly. We're searching a farm down the road. All of our hearts sank. It had been days since they went missing, so we were slowly losing hope. But this confirmed our worst suspicions. The cops were out there all night. They brought in dogs and eventually found them. Twelve feet down and covered in concrete. It was bad. At the scene, they could only identify two of the teens based on their clothing. But there were enough bones to imply that all four of them were down there. Everyone was devastated. Then the cops asked for our security tapes. Why? We asked, confused. We haven't had anyone suspicious. It was then that they revealed that the killer, a guy named Cosmo Donardo, 
had in fact been in our store Friday night, and again on Sunday. The dirt-covered man was a murderer. I was floored, and when I left work I looked up a picture of the man they arrested. It was him. The man I'd made small talk with and wished a good day. The man covered in dirt. Dirt from the hole he dug to hide the people that he killed. I wanted to ask you about that story specifically. Mm-hmm. That man who went in, the construction worker who was just going into the gas station, he uh, was it ever confirmed that he was the killer? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm like 95% sure. I, I didn't, I spent a while since I've researched that one because that, that story's been sitting in my file for a while. But yeah, I believe he is convicted. Wow. So that's crazy. Do you think, have you looked into serial killers a little bit more in like research? I know there's a documentary on uh, Netflix I started watching, uh, Making of a Murderer. Oh my God, yes. And then what's the other one? There's another one. Um, that's really good. It's more, it's not really a documentary documentary. It's more, it has a plot and everything. It's like before they had the term for serial killers. Huh. What the hell is that called? I gotta look that up. But do you think, um, like, what do you think makes a serial killer a serial killer? Like, how can they just be amongst us in the public and like, you know, just walk into a gas station like that as if yeah. everything is normal after they just killed somebody? I think um, when it comes to serial killers, I think it's probably like a a perfect storm of um, some kind of brain disorder that makes them lack empathy, Um, you know, sociopathic tendencies. Um, And it's probably a combination of that. And, you know, a lot of them have um, histories of abuse and and things like that, or or a lot of serial killers actually have... um, head injury histories where they've they've had some kind of serious head injury um so i think it's a probably a perfect combination of like social and biological like a perfect storm of those two things um that guy in particular i can't remember if he if it was the they were four separate kids or all together but like if somebody is sociopathic and they lack empathy which i I personally think empathy is one of the most important traits and and skills i guess to learn as a human being um Mm -hmm. you lack empathy then then you truly don't care and i think most people who do have some sort of empathy have a really hard time comprehending someone lacking empathy to that degree that they can just kill someone and throw them in a in a shallow grave and walk away and and go to the store and get a sandwich and a soda and go home but it, i think it's that that sheer lack of lack of empathy that that's what allows them to be able to do that yeah that honestly empathy is one of like the biggest traits you have to learn and you have to learn it as a kid because there's so many inst- like we have to coexist there's no way around right. it this world is just so populated and i picture like if we all didn't learn empathy if one thing just set you off and you didn't have yeah. it in you to be like all right no this person might have a family this person is right. a living other being and like you just snapped on them it's right. oh man quick insert so that's i'm sorry uh the series that i that i had mentioned before uh mine hunter was what it's called oh yes yes that that's a good one yeah so I, all I these recently, documentaries actually recently started that one myself 
it's really cool that Netflix has gotten into like this genre of you know researching serial killers. Really mm-hmm. cool stuff. Now in the news, they've been saying they said um, they're going to bring back the death penalty in the United States. Uh-huh. Do you think death penalty is something that is appropriate for serial killers when they are convicted? Um, without I, getting I, into too much of the political stuff <laughs> about it, you know, just morally, what do you think? I think I. I go back and forth on this all the time, um, as I do a lot, a lot of my opinions. But uh, years ago, I was super for it, and then then I was super against it. And honestly, lately I've been for it again, just because of um, a lot of the the stories that I've read um, and and the families I've seen and stuff like that. Um, it, it just makes it easier for me to be like, yeah, they, you know just get rid of them basically yeah. you know? mm-hmm. um so i mean as for right now i i think i'm 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 for it but that could change tomorrow <laughs> yeah i'm in on this issue particularly i'm always like i don't know enough about each side to really take a side i right. get the whole uh you know these people have done horrendous things like they don't deserve to live like yeah but then I also hear a lot, you know, that they get the wrong person a lot of times. Like, and then well, that, how many times is it that, like, ten right. years later they get exonerated and, like, right. you just kill? You can't because you killed them. Right. No. And that, that's that's the that's the the big issue there. I think I think if there was a way to guarantee that that never happened, then I would be able to much more easily say, yeah, that you know. Mm-hmm. If, if it makes sense fiscally and you know all that kind of stuff then and and this is and we're talking not just everybody but these like you know jeffrey Dahmers and, and people like yeah. that mm-hmm. um but just like you said it, i i think our our justice system is at a is at a turning point or at a, at just a very interesting point that i think you know 100 years from now or even 50 years from now we'll look back and and see you know maybe the the changes that are happening that we can't see right now but the the issues of people being wrongfully convicted and stuff are are very rampant and it that's why it kind of frustrates me when people say um you know we have the best justice system in the world and we just need to leave it up to the justice system to take care of to, to take care of this and but in my mind i'm like unless it's a perfectly working justice system that's just not the case yeah and no. it's not acceptable for for innocent people to to be in jail let alone executed for you know things that they didn't actually do like that that's probably one of the scariest things to me is you know being going to jail for something that i didn't do because you know you watch some of these documentaries and stuff and there's um i think there's a podcast about specifically about people who have been wrongly convicted and that's just i mean god that's just a terrible situation to be in yeah, so that's really the the one thing that um that fully prevents me from really taking a side on it because I'm like if it happens to more than even one person like that's too much. Now that right. person just lost their life, a family member has been killed and just to find out that, you know, they got it wrong and then the people that got right. it wrong, nothing ever happens to them. They right. can go to sleep at night and just be like, "Oh, you know, my my right. bad." Right. Right. No, you you're totally right. I I totally agree. Another thing that I wanted to ask you, since you said that, you know, you've always loved horror, is what do you think about the current state of Hollywood horror films? I saw recently that there's a new term called elevated horror, Uh which is like things like, you know, um, Jordan Peele's Us. 
So yeah. it's supposed to be movies that are more experimental and they're generally yeah. considered uh, better than like some of the traditional monster movies. What do you think about you know these horror films in today's age? Um, I I love that that concept of elevated horror. Um, and, and I'm a huge Jordan Peele fan for one. I, I love his his two movies, what he's done so far. I can't wait to see what he continues to do i know he's working on something else now but Mm -hmm. those are the type of films that i absolutely love um a lot of people who are horror fans uh a lot of them tend to gravitate towards uh slashers or the gore and that kind of thing but i've always gravitated towards more cerebral horror um like i love um Silence of the Lambs and, and stuff like that. The the horror again. That's kind of like more of a, a realistic thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, I love the idea of horror kind of making a comeback because it, it got really big in the eighties and stuff. And then kind of in the nineties, we got more of the you know typical nineties, early two thousands teen pop. I know what you did last summer kind of stuff that. Uh-huh. A lot of big horror fans and even regular people who aren't necessarily horror fans but will watch a scary movie every every once in a while weren't really big into that and i think maybe now we're kind of riding that 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 roller coaster back down again where we're getting back into a maybe a new age of horror where we can combine some of these older elements um with the a new way of like just more Maybe it's just more intelligent viewers. People are more interested in, in watching horror, not just to watch somebody's head get chopped off, mm-hmm. but because there uh, there are concepts I think we can explore in horror that that should just work for for the genre. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought, you know, Jordan Peele's uh, his first one. What was it called? Get Out. Get Out. Uh, yeah, great movie. That was just to me mind blowing. I just fell in love with that movie. To the the craft and art of being able to weave in uh, cultural and, and historical issues in with, you know, how he, you know, feels or felt like as an African-American man, you know, having a, a white girlfriend and going to their house and just interweaving all these different concepts together and just really nailing the the point home and everything and, and making it something that's just really enjoyable to watch. You know, the movie for me flew by because it was just so good. And you're so into it, yeah. The whole time yeah. you're just sitting there trying to figure it out, trying to like, what is it? It's so it was so good. Us, right. I, I saw us in theater, and I thought us was really cool because the next day I was still researching. I was still looking up like, what did this mean? Like, what did the rabbits mean? Right. And like, there were so many layers to it. That's why I'm a huge uh, Stanley Kubrick fan. Um, the Shining and, and some of his other movies. Like, mm-hmm. There's a, a documentary, I think, on YouTube called Room 207 that kind of goes into you know a bunch of conspiracy theories about maybe what all these different things meant in the movie. But he's known for tons of symbolism. And it, there could be just a, a soda bottle sitting on a, sh- a shelf in the background that's barely blurred out that means something. Like Everybody always said he everything in the frame was there for a reason there was not one thing that wasn't there just because it was made to make it look pretty or something every single element was there for a reason he had a reason behind it he was a very very intelligent man uh stanley kubrick so i i've watched that documentary probably at least eight or nine times because again like like you gotta go back and see and pick up other yeah you didn't see before to it yeah so there are critics that say, you know, elevated horror is kind of like a backhanded compliment. What would you say to that? <laughs> um, 
I don't think so. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I. Th- I like the idea of elevated horror, but I guess. I guess in a way, it is kind of a backhanded comp. Yeah, backhanded compliment because, you know, and the way I view horror, that's how I view it. The ele- what they would call an elevated horror. To me, that's horror because that's the kind of horror that I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with some of the, you know, the the other stuff, the slasher stuff, but when it's just, I have a hard time connecting with it when it's really dumb basically <laughs> so some of them are just like slapped together films and a lot of it is because it, it's a lot of them are these less experienced uh filmmakers horror can be an easier way to get into filmmake the filmmaking business you can mm-hmm. make them on lower budgets and stuff and um i think people forget just because you're able to to do that doesn't mean that your movie's gonna be good mm-hmm. um but I guess I kind of I guess I got kind of get that aspect. I, I actually watched um, one of Rob Zombie's uh, his first horror film. I think it was House of a Thousand Corpses, and that that has a you know it's it's got a cult following. People love his movies. They love that first movie because it was his first movie and everything. But I watched it and I just was clawing my eyeball my eyeballs out throughout the entire time just wishing it would end because I, it's just not my my yeah. type, of, type of horror um which is all right there's something yeah. for everybody yeah and, and there's some people who absolutely love it and I'm, there's probably a lot of people who you know maybe don't like uh get out or something like that everybody's got different opinions but i, I guess i'm okay with the, the the name elevated horror because horror does have a, a certain stigma to it it's, it has this history and you know we're we're getting into a new kind of era of that and you know, at the end of the day, whatever, right? <laughs> if it'll help me identify even even better movies to watch, then, mm-hmm. then I'm okay. I think there's a general trend of there's just good TV out right now. Like, it's yeah. just a great time to be producing content. But what do yeah. you think specifically for horror is making it so much better? Um, I think it's better. Every time a, a really good movie gets made, like, for instance, Get Out, and there's been, you know, other ones as well. But when you when the level of uh i mean just greatness uh, you know goes up another level then then that gives another goal for i think people to to shoot for you know people start thinking man i want to i want to do a story i want to write a story write a script and shoot a film like like get out because i love that movie so much it was so good and i think it gives people like a new kind of target to shoot for um so i think with you know these some of these better movies coming out then other people are kind of gathering around saying yeah this is like it is possible to make a really great horror movie that is really creepy and really scary but also works your brain and has these other aspects to it um it's like that thing where they said the 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 guy who ran the fastest like quarter quarter mile i can't remember what it was it's like nobody ever ran that like made it as fast as he did until Mm -hmm. somebody else finally did it then everybody was able to do it Huh. It's kind of like that that mindset of you know these are these are these are horror movies and this is how they how we shoot them and this is what they look like until somebody does it differently mm-hmm. and then they somebody else does it differently and then everybody's like oh yeah like we told this makes sense let's let's do that and all I think it takes that's, that's is one a, person yeah to, to yeah. innovate yeah that's awesome and is there any films that you're looking forward to specifically in horror that are coming out soon oh. Off the top of my head, I honestly can't can't think of any. I haven't seen Us yet, 
Actually, that's probably the main one on my list to see. I, Wait, you haven't, haven't seen Us? I have not, no. Even even though you're such a big Jordan Peele fan, you still haven't seen it? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep, I still haven't seen it, yeah. It's no, good, no, man. Shame on me. Definitely go see it. <laughs> I have to uh, I have to schedule my my horror movie watchings around when my wife is <laughs> right right because okay. she doesn't like she's, them yeah yes she's terrified but no What's yeah I probably us hereditary is supposed to be scary I've heard another one that I haven't seen but I've been dying to I I, I recently got on a kick of buying uh, my favorite horror movies on on Blu-ray because uh, I finally realized how amazing they look. <laughs> so instead of buying new movies, I've been buying movies I've already seen. Like I bought The Shining on Blu-ray and stuff like that because I, I just can sit there and watch it every day. But Hereditary is one that I've heard is really, really, really good. But similar in a way to I think Us, where people said it it wasn't just horror. There were like these other aspects to it that really made you think it was almost not horror like yeah i you know if if elevated horror is a genre and some people don't like it like like you said if it helps me find movies that fall in that category i like that category i can't yeah it's really cool it makes you think and you're researching stuff afterwards like trying to figure out the meaning so i'm all for it right and i think for for any director or filmmaker that that's like the biggest compliment for them to to be able to make a movie and and people watch it and be so affected by it that they leave the theater or watching the movie and go start looking up or researching stuff about it definitely so speaking of sound design i wanted to ask you because sound design is obviously important when it comes to podcasting but it's Uh also super important in horror because some of those noises that we hear that's really what's what's making our like the hairs on our neck stand up and stuff. Right. How do you go about picking your sounds when you're doing your podcast? What I do usually first is I will go through and, and record the audio um, of myself narrating the story. And I, I do several run-throughs of going back and editing things. And it's it's I sit there and listen to the story like, like I'm a, an audience member, basically. And when I hear certain parts, I'm like, man, that is, this is a build-up moment. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 like an amateur filmmaker myself, I, I act as well, and so like, I kind of approach my podcast as a movie without visuals. So I, I think of like, where's the point of this where the action is really at its highest point and something is about to drop, something is about to happen, you know, how to build that tension, where the tension is. Um, and so that's kind of how I approach it. And plus, I really enjoy, you know, there's certain parts of it, you know, like when a kid's riding their bicycle and they're being chased or something, mm-hmm. just having that that light clicking in the background of what a, a bicycle sounds like and somebody being out of breath, just those little, uh, like little pieces of ear candy like that to me just really immerse you in the story more. So if there's any parts of the story that talk about people doing things that I can bring in that sound effect in the background to kind of make it more real, then I'll do that as well. So So, it's awesome, man. I really, I really, really paid attention to like those details that you added in and they make the story so much better, which leads me to ask, do you, what do you think is scarier? What you see, what you hear, or what you read? Hmm. Do you mean like as far as like movies versus books or? Yeah, and then now, you know, let's put in audio. Uh... Like audio, okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'd have to say for me it would be 
it would be hearing, uh, which is funny because I myself, I'm very, very much a visual person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm an artist and, and, and I draw and stuff like that. Everything for me is like, for me to comprehend things, I us- it usually has to be visual. Uh, but I'm also a really big reader. That's another reason I got into scary stuff. Like growing up, I used to always read Goosebumps and, and Fear Street. And those were like the my obsessive like hobbies. But for me now, like, because a lot of times I'll listen to uh, similar podcasts and, and YouTube uh, channels and stuff. And I, I listen to it like it helps me fall asleep crazy enough but (laughs) i love a lot of times you know you know sitting in a dark room getting ready to go to sleep and and hearing listening to these creepy stories it just creeps me the heck out because i think i have a really big imagination so Uh listening to these things you know i'm just building the story in my head and then hearing somebody else telling me almost like helps me be able to imagine it more than sometimes when i read a book my mind just kind of goes away and then i don't know what paragraph i just read Uh, yeah Uh, i i agree i feel that and then it you you were not in the scene anymore so it's not as scary right right exactly so with, with audio it just I, I stay in, I stay hooked, and, and I think my, my mind just kind of runs away with it. So probably definitely audio. And in your opinion, what's been the scariest story that uh, you've narrated so far? Oh, there's been a couple of them that had to do with this one in particular where a lady or a girl, her mom was worked in the legal system Mm -hmm. and a man basically was stalking them at home because he felt wronged by the girl's mother who worked in the legal system which is a very real thing that can happen (laughs) and has happened um and he stalked them for a while and for a while the daughter who told ended up telling the story she was i think in her early teens or 12 maybe and at first her parents were kind of skeptical you know how parents are oh you just you know you were having a nightmare or it was probably just a wind or whatever but a man was actually sitting outside her window scratching at it trying to, to scare her and Jesus. he kind of yeah he, he terrorized them for quite a while and her dad i think was also a, a police officer as well and they kept trying to catch the guy and just were not able to catch the guy um and to me it was just so scary because okay the mom has experience in the legal system the dad is a cop and if they are getting terrorized and they can't catch the guy you know and this guy is trying to break in their house and doing weird creepy things leaving things behind to just scare them um and the lady ends up running into him and and also ends up calling them and leaving weird messages and just breathing on the line like for some reason to me if somebody calls like the idea of somebody calling and just listening and breathing that for some reason to me scares the heck out of me yeah i agree uh, like that that's some there's something freaky about that and i don't know it's because i like, grew up just, seeing it in horror stories right like, it automatically triggers like this is freaky right and, and something is wrong with this person there's obviously you know something's going on so i think i think the creepiest story for me was that because it was just like man is there hope for anybody else if if people who, you know, are cops and stuff are having hard getting stalked and having a, a, an issue with this, but they ended up resolving it at the at, in the end. But the idea of somebody just sitting at my window while I'm sleeping and and you know tapping and scratching and just trying to scare me or trying to watch me or whatever that that's that's 
pretty terrifying. There's some ones I actually have coming up um, within the next couple of weeks of people's encounters with serial killers, similar to the one um, that you played, um, which is going to be on there. But there are going to be, I think, three other stories where people had interactions with people that they found out were serial killers. And those are really scary to me, too, because, you know, like you were saying earlier, you you never know who you're going to come into contact with. And, you know, that just the idea of interacting with someone who's done such horrible things is just pretty terrifying. So as I wrap up this uh, episode, you know, we're now near the one hour mark. It doesn't even feel like it. It's been (laughs) a great conversation. You know so much about horror. And I love that I was able to find your account and your podcast. Um, So I wanted to ask you, are you a religious person? Um, no, not really. I would say I, I, uh, I grew up very, very, very religious actually. And then, uh, went through kind of a a roller coaster of, of different exploring different things and spirituality and stuff. And, um, now I'd say, I would say I'm, I'm non-religious for the most part, but again, that could change tomorrow. That could always change. (laughs) I like how you, you flow, man. Like, you know, open to everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I the one thing that bugs me is people saying this is what I believe or this is what I think and that's how it's going to be, but you know, things things can always change and always be different and I always try to put myself in, you know, somebody else's shoes and or somebody else's situation and I'm like, you know, I I'm not there's nothing that could keep me from changing my mind on on things, you know what I mean? Mhm. And so not being religious what do you think happens to us when we die like we've been talking about all these supernatural Mm -hmm. things and how you're open to all of this do you think that the soul sometimes stays on earth trapped here like some people believe and that's what ghosts are i i think that might be a possibility but i i think a lot of what people experience as ghosts um might be residual energy but I, you know, I love these ghost shows. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of all the ghost shows, and uh, I don't know how old you are, if you if or if you ever saw this, but the I'm 26 years ago. All right, okay, so you might not remember this. Um, back in the early 2000s, I think it was MTV had a show called Fear. It wasn't Fear Factor. It was before no. Fear Factor. Um, and and they went in and did. It was just regular people that had to compete to. Um, win $5,000 if they made it through the two nights um, but they had to go to these really well known uh, haunted places like old mental asylums and old jails and stuff like that um, and do these different uh, tasks to go see if the place was haunted and then of course you know you got your, your other uh, regular current ghost shows like Dead Files which I absolutely love Mm-hmm. Um, and some others, but I, I I think there may there's some legitimacy to those, and I think there is a possibility that maybe um, you know people can stick around if they choose to, or maybe if there's some kind of traumatic um, incident that happened. Because I think you know we have physical bodies, but you know it's like the thing that energy can't be created or destroyed. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that maybe at some you know when you die. You know, maybe you, your form changes. Um, the energy doesn't just disappear or stop. It, it continues in a, in a different form some way. So, yeah, I think it's possible that they they stick around should they choose that particular energy field, maybe. Hmm. Well, 
there anything is possible in the world i i don't right. really know what happens to us when we die i'm not exactly that religious of a person myself so yeah. i'm still you know i'm open to anything you know maybe everything right. just goes black and then that's the end or maybe there's an afterlife yep. who knows yep well this was an awesome interview kyle thank you so much can you let everybody know where they can uh listen to your podcast yeah absolutely um it's on most podcatchers um some of the most popular ones are you know apple Podcasts, stitcher uh spotify uh just search nightmare society um you can also find me on uh, Podbean's website under nightmare society i'm also on youtube um, under nightmare society just look for the little skull logo and you should be able to find me also, awesome. uh, one thing, I, I, I would love for more people to check me out on social media as well, too. Uh, I love uh, interacting with listeners. So Instagram is uh, Nightmare Society Radio. Twitter is Society underscore radio. Uh, reach out to me. Yeah, and keep sending him stories because he narrates yes. them so well. And the show is possible because people send you their stuff and you know and you do the respectable thing of also going out and asking people for their permission so i want to keep hearing more do you do these shows weekly or how do you do them right now they're weekly um we're in the the midst of uh relocating within the next couple of weeks so i'm hoping once we get moved that i might uh possibly go up to twice a week so right now it's at least weekly though Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing more and keep doing a great job. Uh, your podcast is really, really cool. And like I said, I love all the details that you put into it. You can really tell that you are a fan of horror and that you just get inspired by other horror things that you listen to or watch. And that just, yeah, that elevates your podcast to another level. An elevated horror podcast. <laughs> hey, elevated horror podcast. That's the new thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, man, I really appreciate it. This is a blast, and uh, good luck with your podcast and whatnot, and I hope to hear more from you as well. Hey, thank you, man. As always, a special thank you to our guests for coming on the show. We love talking to anybody about what they're passionate about. We love sharing these stories, and we love introducing the public to new stories and new perspectives from other people that we speak to. Thank you, Kyle, for coming on, and thank you for narrating that story to us. As always, thank you to everyone who's listening. Go subscribe to the show. That way you're alerted every time a new episode comes out. We always have really cool guests coming on. And subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating. Help us get the word out, yo. We're just trying to talk to people and we're trying to share cool, interesting perspectives that you might not get to hear from regular mainstream media. My name is Xavier Diaz and this was A Pretty Normal Podcast.